Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hey, welcome to the All Bodies on Bikes podcast. Hey. Um, it is the beginning of the year. We haven't recorded one of these in a couple of weeks now, so we're a little rusty. Um, but Maggie, how was your holidays and your new year and all that jazz? Yeah, my all all my jazz was great. Uh, my, my mom came down for Christmas and I cooked for her and just was cooking all day and then passed out at eight o'clock and found myself wondering how mothers do anything ever. Because uh, it's just... I have been having very similar thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I recently picked up a coffee shop job. And so I'm on my feet from like yes. until, I don't know, 3, 3.30. And then I get home and it's like, the dogs have to eat. I have to do my regular job. Like, things are wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I don't know. Just so much respect to all the parents out there. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. How was your holidays? Um, They were low key and uneventful. Okay. Uh, so That's I'm nice sometimes. Sometimes and it was nice. And then today I felt like this like utter sadness of like hmm. holidays are over and I didn't see anybody. Um part of that was because so I'm Jewish, my family does Hanukkah, and I actually right. live close enough to my family, but I got really sick. Um mm-hmm. I already gave my family COVID once last Thanksgiving. And so I didn't have COVID, but I just didn't want to like potentially spread something. So I spent that alone. Um, <clears throat> I did go over to a friend's house on Christmas Day and had some delicious Indian food. Okay, and fantastic. I'm probably going to get myself in trouble when I say this, but I went to a New Year's party and I did not have any fun. Oh. I don't know. It was just like, have you ever <laughs> have you ever been in a room of people and all they talk about is bicycles? <laughs> yes. I mean... Yes. I know that like that's our life and that's how this works but sometimes I want to talk about other things and yeah it was like the only thing I had in common with the entire room and I'm trying not to drink and so just like being the sober one at a party was just like uh I'm leaving <laughs> I'm done I'm out later yeah so. yeah but no I'm, I'm excited to start the year um got some big plans for this year heck yeah I was really hoping to like do some reflection and journaling and goal setting. And that coffee shop job has just been taking up literally all my brain power. So I get that. Try not to beat myself up, but uh, I got to be more intentional with my time. Yeah, I'm I'm working on, I got really good through the end of last year at making this like really in-depth color-coded schedule on Google calendars. The goal this year is to stick to it. (laughs) Yes. Because yes, I still am not good at that. Um, like every year, I start out with a new physical paper planner. I did this year. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing I'm going to make it a week. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping for a week, actually. Yes. Yeah. I have like a graveyard of like partially started planners and notebooks. But oh, yeah. 
somehow it still works. Like you and I both have absolutely ridiculous schedules and traveling all over the place. And at the end of the day, like it's rare that I miss a meeting or screw something up, but I shouldn't say that out loud. Knock on wood. (laughs) Oops. Oops. Um, but yeah, no, um, are you, do you have any cycling goals or, um, things you're really looking forward to that you're willing to share with the podcast audience? I, I do. I, oh, I remember the word now. I on a ride, my ride today, I came up with a word for like my, my cycling goal for the year. And Ooh. as soon as you asked, I forgot it. Um, but it's back now. So that's good. I have like some <laughs> really big things that I want to do next year and the year after that. Okay. So like 2024, um, 2025. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the big thing this year is working on, I have, I start like next week with a personal trainer to just work on strength more specifically. Yes. Uh, and then the word for the year for me is just going to be control. Uh, like I went, I went out on my ride today and was pulling the worst hill in my community. And I'm really bad to start it at the bottom as fast as I can mm. and not focus on anything except for there's one mailbox at the top of the hill. And that's my sign that I didn't die. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I started on it today for some reason. I was like, you know what? Let's focus on like a steady cadence. Yes. And got like a little bit up the hill and realized that I was not breathing like from the bottom of my body. And I was like, okay, so now keep a mind on that rhythm, but also let's focus on getting like deep breaths instead of the, (gasps) 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 um, and, and I got to the top. I, I did not in any shape, form or fashion, said any sort of speed record but i i felt the best on that hill that i've ever felt when i was riding it congratulations Uh, yeah it was awesome so my my big thing this year is just focusing on control okay like being being more in control or like just being more intentional yeah yeah just paying more attention to well yeah i can go really hard right here but when i get over there and i need the energy i wasted it here Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I can start out the hill really, really fast. And I, maybe I cover more ground in a shorter amount of time, but I do not feel as good when I get to the top of the hill. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, this reminds me of Steamboat Gravel. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet. But <laughs> you won the Strava I did. I did. I was the least most fastest. Which is awesome. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. I went for a ride yesterday with a couple friends um, that I hadn't ridden with before. And it was awesome because we were all the same pace or like right around the same pace. Yeah. Um, but there was one woman who was newer to cycling and she was talking about, you know, like you were talking about, you know, jamming up the hill and running out of energy. And we yeah. all were talking about our different strategies for hill climbing. And I love to just like put it into my easiest gear and spin all day long, yep. um, which doesn't always work. But for the most part, I think it does. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's, it, I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, should we dive into things? I think that, you know, talking about cadence and gears is actually a really good place to start. I have a question. Okay. When you change your gears from like harder to easier, mm-hmm. say that's going shifting down or shifting up. So what I choose to do usually is not talk about it because I'm confused <laughs> on that. And Same. so I try very hard to like, I'll just be like, I'm, I made it easier to pedal. Yep. That's actually what I do too. So like I've worked in bike shops, I've taught bike maintenance classes, and I still don't know if it's going up or down. I just say going harder, going easier. Yeah. Um, and it's so counterintuitive for me to explain that 
looking at a bicycle that it's like when you're going to your smaller rings on the back it's going to get harder but when you go to your smaller rings on the front it's going to get easier yeah Um, and honestly it probably took me a solid like five years of riding my bike before I had the muscle memory to know when to shift and when to make it easier and harder yeah oh yeah for sure yeah I don't know I think that's one of the the most challenging things for new cyclists is shifting gears um do you have any tried and true advice for folks oh my gosh I, I mean, for me personally, it was just kind of trial and error. So mm-hmm. I would, I I think the biggest advice there is like, don't get discouraged. You're yeah. going to end up halfway up a hill when you realize that you're in the wrong gear. Get off. If you have to push it to the top of the hill and shift better next time. Exactly. I don't know. I always recommend folks to um, practice shifting where it's flat. And so you yeah. can build that muscle memory of harder, faster, you know, what kind of cadence you want your legs to be at. Um, one thing I heard one time, and I have no idea if it's true or not, because, you know, I'm not racing or necessarily going for efficiency, but somebody told me you should try and stay at the same cadence. So how fast you're pedaling, regardless of, um, the type of, or like the terrain you're on. So whether it's flat or a hill, you should be in a gear to where you can stay at the same cadence. Um, and I know that there's like technological ways to figure that out. They have like, you know, the speed monitors and the cadence monitors, but I think for most of us, for the average person, it's just like, do what feels good. Yeah. 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 I think, I think that's the, again, paying attention today on my ride, like the, the exertion over the actual numbers or the like feeling of exertion. I think, I think people that aren't racing hard, I think we're all kind of moving towards that. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, it's the numbers are fun and interesting to me, but as far as being out and being on the ride, I don't want to have to be like, am I doing the same RPMs here as I was doing right back there? Because if not, I'm a wrong. Um, <laughs> and that's not that I mean, takes all the honest, fun out of everything. There's no wrong way to ride a bicycle. Exactly. Um, I will say, as you know, my rides have gotten longer, and I'm like, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes. You can't really see it because it's a podcast. Um, training for I'm planning to do mid south hundred again. It'll be a second um, travel century. My last one was at Unbound, so a while ago. Um, I will say I am using heart rate monitor to train. Oh yeah, um, and those are numbers that I pay attention to, especially because um, I am so much slower than other people. But I know that if my heart rate is at like one sixty, I am in a good zone. I can keep going for a long time. But if I push it harder, I won't be able to sustain that. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And see, my my reason for a heart rate monitor, especially um, Charlotte, the area that I'm in, can, we can have some really nice hot days during the summer. Mm. And like to go out on a ride and think I'm dying and look down and my heart rate's like 125. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, I'm fine. It's just really warm. <laughs> but it's still important to pay attention to those cues and how your body's feeling. Oh, yeah. Feel right. Go home. Yep. Well... Today, we're talking cycling lingo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and demystify or I guess explain. I like demystify the, though. <laughs> by some, of, some of the terms and technology and where it came from. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to start with kind of like the history of the bicycle? Because surprisingly, can. the bike hasn't been around for all that long. It really hasn't. It really hasn't. Especially like the, the bike in the format that we know it today. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there were some weird ones before we got, <laughs> before we got where we are. Tell me more. 
did did you know that the first now i'm using the air quotes bike uh was basically like a giant wooden strider for grown-ups i did know that i saw some photos actually well not photos the drawings bring me joy because it's like distinguished gentlemen in tails and top hats riding a wooden strider like a bike with no pedals and just kicking along and um I, that played out in my brain and it was really entertaining <laughs> uh but yeah so w- that was uh in 1817 so that's like the first so, thing that people look at as a bike so that's not just about 200 years ago yeah that's wild yeah it is it feels like it's been around for longer and then is it right that the the pedal crank didn't come around until 1853? Yeah. So that took a while. Yeah, they were just out there kicking around. Well, okay. If you see some of those toddlers and kiddos on those Strider bikes, they are amazingly efficient, actually. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that it took, you know, 30 years, 40 years to get the the, the pedal crank. Because um, this was still before the era of the automobile. So I think horses were like the main thing. Yeah. Um, we should have a caveat here. Neither Maggie or I or are hist- historians, but we did some basic internet research. I, I know how to. I know how to look stuff up on the Google. <laughs> um, so the next apparently came this thing called the bone shaker, which just sounds like great that. fun. Yeah, yeah, just a giant metal thing with the pedaling was actually on the front wheel, which I'm still trying to like kind of wrap my mind around how so that would really had, work like, the chain and the the cassette and all that yeah right? yeah yeah um uh, but yeah it was called i don't i think there was another name for it but everybody just called it the bone shaker because it felt like your skeleton was just going to get shaken right out of your body that's so wild because so at this fun. point we still don't have rubber tires we don't have right like air in tires um yeah. we're just talking like metal wheels that we're going along with yep um, this next development is fascinating to me um, because I still see somebody riding one of these regularly around town. Um, That's and I'm amazing. With him a little bit, and he loves the novelty of it. He loves the um, kind of look at me spectacle of it, um, but he says it's really hard to ride up and down hills. That and makes that sense is- to me. Well, yeah, because it's the penny farthing. Have you ever yeah. ridden? I have not. Would you be curious to try it, or are you kind of like that's something I don't ever need to do? I don't, I just haven't ever thought about the fact that you could try it in 2023. <laughs> um, I would absolutely try riding a penny farthing. Yeah. Sounds a little overwhelming, but I would absolutely give it a try. So if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, basically it's got a giant front wheel, like we're talking five or six foot diameter uh, front wheel, and then a very small back wheel, and you're kind of perched in between the two of them. <laughs> Um, and your feet are pedaling right along the axis of the front wheel, right? Or the axle yeah. of the front wheel? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how the physics of it works, but um, it is fascinating. And when somebody's on it, they're like eight or nine feet in the air. It's pretty wild. And it's not, even, are you looking at pictures right now? I am. I could see, see Maggie's face and she's like looking up some photos. Um, <laughs> My brain was aware that you had stopped talking. I was like, I could contribute, but I'm also typing and I don't know I can't. <laughs> um so the penny farthing was around for a little while and then in 1885 um was the invention of what we now know as quote the safety bicycle and that is basically as similar as we have today um and that really actually started excuse me um the bicycle as a tool for transportation and not just kind of like a fun sporting thing yeah 
Um, I did find some really interesting kind of socio-political history. Oh, um, for sure. Starting around this time, especially once the safety bicycle came out and it became um, a more widespread tool. So um, in 1893, um, the Riverside Cycling Club was founded in Boston as the first African-American cycling club. Um, so around this time, there was all sorts of, you know, cycling groups. And um, there was the League of American Wheelmen that had um, come to fruition. Uh, but interestingly, in 1894, they had a, they adopted a color ban. Um, so allowing only white members. And that wasn't officially revoked until 1999. Oh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's a bummer. Yeah, so it makes sense Jeez. that you know, there was um, segregated cycling clubs out there. And there's really fascinating history about um, the people who were the movers and shakers in this movement. Um, in 1897, um, Cambridge University was um, voting to integrate uh, women into the curriculum and seek degrees. And in protest, the male students built a giant effigy of a woman on a bicycle as a symbol of a free woman and everything that was wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and then something big happened in 1908 that really changed things forever. Do you know what that was? I'm going to say it had something to do with four wheel transportation. It did. Um, <laughs> that's when Ford's model T went into mass production and okay. Kind of the golden era of bicycle travel um, or bicycles in the U.S., the golden era ended. It's really fascinating. If you look back at old maps and photos, um, I don't know photos really, but if you look at the history um, prior, like kind of between 1885 and 1908 was like the heyday of the bicycle. There was like bicycle highways and tons of people riding around everywhere. Um, again, not a whole lot of women, um, but it, it is interesting because, you know, the bicycle was used as a symbol of freedom for the suffragette movement. Um, but there's a lot of problematic history there, especially um, with racism and sexism. Yeah. So I don't know, a couple other interesting things. This continues to evolve. Um, obviously, Title IX happened in 1972, which was the discrimination on the basis of gender. Um, you could argue that that's still happening, especially for you know, oh, sure. gender non-conforming folks or trans folks. Um, but interestingly, in 2018, Dr. Rachel McKinnon, who I think would be so rad to have on this program, um, she's the founder, or they were the founder of Foxy Moxie, and she became the first uh, trans world cycling, uh, that doesn't sound right, the, the trans world track cycling champion. Um, it's interesting. I, re I recently learned that like, there's not just one world champion of cycling. Um, there's like the mountain bike world champion. There's oh, the sure. road, there's cyclocross, there's there's all these different ones. And so uh, Dr. McKinnon, Rachel, uh, was the first uh, trans track cycling world champion. So congratulations to her. Yeah, that's amazing. Super cool. All right. Um, so yeah, that is a very, very condensed version of yes. bicycle history. Um, you know, there's all sorts of modern day stuff and you could talk about you know, invention of the e-bike and um, proliferation of mountain bikes and then full suspension and um, gravel and all these things. Um, all the things. All the things. I think that's just, you know, what happens with any sport when it becomes a a widespread thing. 
Yeah. I think the thing with cycling though, that's like fun and a little more intense maybe than in a lot of other things is you get somebody out on a, what was the giant strider for adults? (laughs) And at some point they're like, but I want to ride over here and I can't do that on this. So how can I take what I have and improve it, but change it and then be able to go ride over here? Yeah. And that's still happening today. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. you know, hey, I want to ride from here to there, but there are no roads there. Okay, cool. Let's invent a bike that can go there and carry all the things for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a quick history of that. Um, I, I have another question for you. Okay. Are there any cycling terms that you hear, or maybe when you first started riding, that you're just like, I have no idea what that is, and that's okay? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Um, There were so many when I first started because I I watched a lot of GCN when I first started okay and what is GCN oh yeah exactly um it's the global cycling network yeah um yeah so it's a group first of all the majority of them are from somewhere in the British Isles so accents are fantastic which always keeps me intrigued um but these are all like people who have had illustrious careers let's try that word again illustrious (laughs) careers (laughs) in cycling uh and now they're just doing like some weird tests to see what you should eat when you should eat it how far you can ride if you're on a graveled road and you're riding a road bike and i'm riding a mountain bike and it's just it was super fun i think um, we have seen one of those like do they have one where it's like a pro versus a regular person like 100 okay yeah. i've, I've yeah. seen a few of those here and there they're fun yeah um, but they're, they are also very much from the cycling world. So they would just like run through things and I'd be like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I think the first big one was chamois. Mm, yeah. Like that's a, that's a fun word. I immediately am like, what does an orca at sea world have to do with anything to do with a bicycle? Um, so that was, that was the first one that I, I needed to know more information about. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. I think my first one was paneer. Um, okay. Yeah. I, my coworkers. So I started bike commuting. Um, That's a grilled sandwich, right? That was. I thought it was. Oh, okay. Like some sort of baguette or something. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, because all my friends or all my coworkers kept talking about like, oh, you know, I got a new paneer or I left my paneer at home, and I was like, how would I know that that's like related to bicycling? Oh, <laughs> seriously. Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, that um, PSI threw me off. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and for the listener out there, we will get into each of these and kind of talk about what they mean and some of the yeah. history of them. I just think it's fun to kind of look back and think about the the terms that I I didn't know what they meant. Yeah. Uh, Peloton is another one. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, beat on. The first oh, time on? I heard, yeah, first time I heard that that word, what I was like, by dawn. What? I don't. I have no idea still <laughs> how you pronounce it. That's one of those words. I'm not sure anybody in the history of the world knows how to actually pronounce it. Was it French? Yes, I do know that. I was looking that up earlier today. Actually, a lot of these terms come from France. Oh, yeah. Because cycling has a long history in France, as it turns. Um, Let's see, what else? Oh, um, I don't know. I'm totally going to say this wrong. A Gillette or a Gillette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a razor. I thought it was shaving cream. Exactly. Uh, but turns out it's also a cycling term for a vest. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I also get confused, you know, when people talk about fondos or 
grand tours or grand prix like what are all these things um so i don't know should we should we dive into chamois as the first one (laughs) sure we might as well that that Um, big whale so i did some uh research because i was like where does this word actually come from yeah um and turns out a chamois it's a noun um (laughs) it (laughs) sorry the um what's it called when they they tell you how to pronounce something um I don't know. When the dictionary has like the pronunciation, I guess it's right. like pronunciation guide. It literally says sha sha moi. Sha moi. So I guess yeah. it's supposed to say it. So anyway, one definition of a chamois or a chamois is an agile, agile goat-like antelope of the high mountains of Europe. Um, it's now rare in some areas. Oh. Um Shammy could also mean a soft, pliable leather from any various skins dressed with oil, um, especially fish oil, um, originally prepared from the skin of the chamois or the chamois. So I think that this word comes from like the leather skin of that animal that was used either like as a pad or like as a rag to buff things. Um, I've been watching a lot of Below Deck. Um, It's a really wonderful reality show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about people working on yachts and turn they use chamois a lot as like um a rag to clean things yeah um, but that's not any of the reasons we're talking about it for cycling no um, has nothing so- to do with goats <laughs> well i guess like you were using a leather chamois. i mean yeah i'm thinking probably traditionally so a chamois as we know it today on bikes is going to be and now i'm questioning this i'm going to say that it is the padded shorts that cyclists wear. Would it technically just refer to the padding? I think so. Okay, yeah. so there we go. The padding. Yeah. Um, so if you have used cycling shorts that have the built-in, it's usually like a high-density foam nowadays, yeah. um, that is a chamois. Um, there you go. Which I guess makes sense. I do know that there are leather chamois out there. Um, if that's your thing, uh, it is not my thing. But... Uh, Wait, Maggie, why would you wear a chamois? Like, what's the deal with this thing? You know, I asked myself that question for a long time, and then I got one. Uh, Bike saddles, which is the seat on a bicycle, um, I think we can all agree are not at the top of the comfort list when it comes to being seated there for an extended period of time. Right. It's not supposed to feel like your couch. Right. Exactly. You're out. You're working. Um, and so the deal with these chamois is it provides a layer between yourself. <laughs> I like, cause you left some notes here and presumably of pre-Latin origin, see gems. And I think that's perfect because for men, especially the point of a chamois is to protect your gems. <laughs> that's, that's bringing me a lot of joy. So it's, it sits between your skin and the seat on your bike and kind of give some extra padding to give you a little more comfort i would say probably has some like anti-friction type helpfulness in it um i think it's supposed to yeah but it's it's just to help you be more comfortable especially on long days on the bike yeah definitely um i will say a psa pro tip um if you're wearing padded shorts so shorts that have the built-in liner with the chamois 
Um, you are not supposed to wear underwear with them. True story. Um, this is a mistake that a lot of people make. Um, and it might be a choice that some folks are making, but the idea is to reduce points for friction and uh, rubbing. And by adding um, your undies in there, you're adding another seam that could potentially yeah. become problematic. Um, so see, uh, chamois come in different widths, different colors, different um, densities, different thicknesses. Um, so you really got to figure out what works for you. Um, yeah. But ideally, uh, it'll make your ride more enjoyable. Oh, and very important, the chamois goes on the inside of your clothing so like maggie said right next to your skin um yep. it's funny you know if you look at some amazon photos or other um websites showing the bike shorts it's got the padding on the outside it kind of looks like a baboon butt because they're often colored you know red <laughs> i think yeah and oh bless this person's soul um i saw somebody out on a ride one day with their chamois on the outside and i ran into them at a stop sign and you know you never want to uh give unsolicited advice but this I felt like had to say something I'm just like hey I think your shorts might be on inside out and this poor woman was just like oh my god I saw it like that on Amazon why would it and mm. so yeah yeah Jeez. um just a heads up there put your family just, on the inside just if there's a super bright color on one side or the other put that on the inside yes yes exactly <laughs> Um, all right. So that is a, a fun word that we have now debunked. Yes. Um, what should we talk about next? Where did we go? You said something about, um, grilled sandwiches. What are paneers, Marley? <laughs> well, delicious, delicious sandwiches. Delicious uh, sandwiches. No, paneers are, um, bags that typically get mounted to a rack on your bicycle. Uh, most often you see them on the back, um, by the rear tire, but you can also use panniers in the front. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. There are a million styles of panniers out there. Um, I really love the Ortlieb ones that are just, I think they're vinyl. Um, they're waterproof. They yeah. have gone on thousands of miles of bike tour with me. Um, you can put fun stickers on them, but they also make canvas ones. There's polyester, there's all sorts of there's hard shell ones. Um, and it basically makes it so you can carry things on your bicycle. Yeah. I like, I appreciate the fact that again, with the, I have this, but I need it to also do this, but they're starting to make them with back st pack straps now. So like, yeah. if you're work commuting, you got it on the back, it's out of your way. And as soon as you're at the office, you just throw it on your shoulder and you're ready to roll. Yeah. There's a, there's a brand out there called Pocampo um, and they make really stylish ones. Um, oh, so, fancy. Um, you know, if you're work commuting, you can then just take the bag and throw it over your shoulder and nobody is any the wiser. Um, yeah. Because there are a lot that are, you know, high vis, bright yellow, orange, neon, whatever, um, and a lot that are really rugged for those long distance events. But there's a lot that are really cute, just meant to go to work and back or go to the gym. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, big word, simple meaning. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, let's talk about one of my favorite topics. Okay. What the difference between bike packing? bike touring and bike camping i'm gonna just go ahead and be entirely honest and didn't say i didn't realize there was that much of a difference between the three of them i think uh, if you talk to purists there's a difference okay that makes sense to me yeah well i think if you talk to purists there's a there's a right word for everything that, um, mm -hmm. but kind of our whole model motto motto here with all bodies on yeah. bike is uh that words are silly that's not our motto at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> we don't okay. want the wording or, you know, having something exactly right to keep you from riding a bike or feeling like you're part of the cycling community. Um, so I love, love, love sleeping outside yeah. on my bicycle or like, not, you know what I mean? Like riding someplace, setting up camp <laughs> and, uh, sleeping outside. Um, and I have gone back and forth over the years of whether what I'm doing is bike camping or bike touring or bike packing. And honestly, at the end of the day, they all mean the same thing. It means going somewhere self-supported on your bicycle with everything you need to survive. Um, I do think there's some like, you know, specific nuances in there. Um, To me, bike camping is like a one or two night adventure, typically on paved paths, using veneers. Um, And I think about, you know, going to like state campgrounds or um, kind of established places like that. Okay. Um, bike touring to me is very much the same, um, but it implies like longer distance or a longer time period. Okay. Um, so, you know, bike touring across the U.S. or bike touring from Seattle to San Francisco. Um, and then bike packing to me is basically the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I just tend to think of like more streamlined bags um, and maybe doing like more adventurous terrain or single track where if you've got something attached to a rack like a pannier um, it might fall off so oftentimes with bike packing you'll see bags attached directly to the bicycle instead of um, like a rack and then I think also bike packing lends itself more towards racing and again I'm using racing quotes um, because technically you could um, bike tour and race Um, yeah but you know, I think about the folks who do like ride across America, there's people who race it and do it in like four or five days and literally ride the d- distance of the US. And there's folks who will take four or five months to do it on the exact same route. Um, and technically, they're doing the same thing. It's just a different setup and a different style. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I never get mad at somebody when they say like, oh, I'm going bike packing," And they're going out for one night with their cargo bike fully loaded. Like, great. If that's what feels good to you. And that's what you want to call it. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think we'd go get anywhere by gatekeeping language. No, for sure not. I would, and my, I always just say bikepacking because of the look on people's faces. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple people be like, oh, you made that word up, right? And I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. My simplest way to explain is like, everybody's heard of backpacking. Um, it's like backpacking just on your bicycle. Exactly. But most often you don't have a backpack on. Yeah. Or at least I don't. Well, some, yeah, some people do. Some people ride with a backpack. I just, yeah. I don't like it personally. Good for you if you do. I've started riding with a hydration pack, um, especially during the summer. Um, yeah. I never used to, but I'm finding that um, keeping enough water on my bicycle for some of these longer rides and in the humidity of the South, yeah. that I need multiple liters of water. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's been a whole learning curve since moving to the South. Oh, yeah. We do, we do heat different down here. Yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit on our cycling clothing episode. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that one, make sure you go back and listen to why Marley, I finally got convinced to wear a Jersey, um, when I had always just worn or ridden in t-shirts. Yeah. All right. Um, Ooh, what are some other topics that are confusing to you? I know tires are confusing to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. I still don't, I haven't even started trying to get into to tires does there's just pressure specifically talking about tires like the the level 
of distinction that people make between how much pressure air pressure they fill their tires up to before a ride or an event yeah Um, i'm gonna i'm gonna say something and i think it might be a little controversial okay i think that tire pressure like fiddling with the minutiae of it is a small person's game and what i mean by that is when you live in a bigger body um you have to have more tire pressure um or higher tire pressure um, otherwise you're just going to get pinch flats all the time. So, you know, for gravel races, I'll be lining up at the start and people will be like, what, what pressure are you running, bro? People will be like 20, 30. And I I'm like, I'm at like 55 or 65. Um, and obviously it depends on the tires and which bike I'm on and all that stuff, but pretty reliably, my pressure is usually quite a bit higher than people in smaller bodies. Yeah. Um, simply because of the rolling resistance. You know, if I try and ride my bicycle at 30 PSI, my um, tires are going to feel super squishy, feel super flat. And I'm going to feel like I'm riding through mud, yep. uh, even if I'm on flat pavement. Um, so I tend to go to the higher end of the pressure guide. Um, I guess we should back up a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> um, so bike tires are usually filled with air. Yes. Um, regardless of if they're tubeless or if you use tubes, you're going right. to have to put air in your tires. And I recommend getting a pump that has a gauge at home. Um, for my first like three months riding bikes, I was getting flats all the time because I was only using a hand pump and it makes it really hard to get your tire up to the correct pressure. If you're not using a good pump, um, if you can't afford a pump, um, bike shops will often let you use their pumps for free um, because all you're doing is putting air into your tires. Um, so if you're just getting into cycling and trying to figure out where do I spend my money, get yourself a pump that works well. Absolutely. Um, how do you know how much air to put in your tires? Um, your tire is actually going to tell you. And if you've got multiple bikes, you need to look at each of the tires and see what it tells you. Um, there'll be a little imprint on the side. It's usually really hard to read. Um, yes. you need to search for like five minutes, but I <laughs> promise you it's on there and we'll give you a range. You know, if you're riding a road bike, um, so with skinny little tires, um, I should say narrow tires, but you know what I mean? Um, the range could be anywhere from like 70 to 120. Um, it's a little counterintuitive, but like the narrower the tires, the higher pressure you need to have. Um, and the wider tires you have. So, you know, talking about mountain biking or um, even gravel tires, you can go a little bit lower. Yeah. So right now I'm running the Gravel King SKs, um, which I still think there should be a Gravel Queen tire, but that is a topic for another day. No, okay. Uh, and I'm here for it though. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like going off on tires. Apparently I know a lot about this. I, that's great because I do not. <laughs> um, so my gravel tires, I think say a range between 40 and 65. And I do tend to go around like 55 or 60. Okay. Uh, and I find it quite comfy. Um, but then when smaller people feel my tires, they're like, whoa, that's a lot of like, that's really firm. And it's like, yeah, but that's what's comfortable to me. So yeah. you can't really go wrong. Um I still don't know much about rolling resistance and, you know, why you would choose one tire over another. Um, but I do know about tire pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to circle back because it's good to have the information. And I personally, I don't know about you, but I really like doing the research and like learning about all the things and all the difference. And the fact that there are people out there that like run their front tire at 32 and their back tire 
at 35. Yes. And, and yeah, but like, look into it, research it, read all the things, do what makes you enjoy riding your bike the most. Yeah. And experiment with it. Yeah. Um, you know, air up your tires, take them down a little bit, see what feels good to you. I did try lowering my pressure in my tires one time. And exactly like you said, like it felt like I was working twice as hard on a route. I ride a lot. I was like, absolutely not. Never again. <laughs> yeah, totally. No. I will say slight caveat. If you're riding in snow or ice or like even slippery conditions, letting a little bit of air out and making your tires softer than you normally would is going to help you have more traction. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't go ride 50 miles on lower pressure. No. Um, let's be honest. I'm not going to ride 50 miles in the snow anyway. Yeah. I, I would probably be that, be that ridiculous, but you know, whatever. I remember Relax. last year uh, in Seattle, I tried, I did about 10 miles and it was such a fun day. Um, but it took way longer than it reasonably should have to go that far. Yeah. But that's snow for you. Um, okay. What are some of the other things we talked about? We talked about a Peloton. Um, oh yes, we did. Yeah. So which is not a fancy wheelless bicycle that goes in your living room. I mean, it is that it is, but it's but originally before it was that. Yes. Uh, it was, it was just a, the group of cyclists. Yes. Um, so like the pack and you yeah. want to try and hang on to the Peloton because it helps you save energy. Um, yeah. and I'll admit, I really haven't ridden in many Pel Pelotons over my cycling career. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of folks out there who are going 11 miles an hour and want to ride together in a group like that. But maybe through this podcast, we'll find those people and yeah. um, we won't be doing all the work ourselves anymore. Uh, fight in the wind. Have some, have some Peloton parties at events <laughs> to show up to be the 10 mile per hour Peloton. Oh my, oh we my are gosh. here. Uh, if I, if I ever get the chance to rename all bodies on bikes, that's what we're going to call ourselves. <laughs> the 10 mile an hour Peloton. Heck Yes. <laughs> I see a shirt that's just a speed limit sign with a bicycle on it. It says 10 mile per hour Peloton. <laughs> if you wear that, fast, find your own group. <laughs> find your own Peloton. <laughs> no, you can ride with us. Just you can ride in the front and pull us from the wind. Yes. Um, well, hmm, are there any other? Oh, it's, we didn't talk about Biden's and we're not talking about President Biden. We are not. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about water bottles. Uh, which is just interesting to have a, a word that could be so confusing to yeah. refer to water bottles. Uh, I learned, though, did you know that originally in like the, the bigger races way back in cycling, they kept water on them by having a leather bag on the handlebars that had two glass bottles. I did not know that. So... Riding at 10 miles an hour or downhill at much more than that and trying to get a glass bottle of water out of a bag on your handlebars sounds horrendous. Interesting. Okay, so I just Googled this real quickly. Yeah. And, uh, any guesses as to the etymology of the word Biden? And see, I was looking at this earlier, so I should know. Um, it's, it's, it's French, right? 100%, yeah. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> what did it mean? I remember seeing this. Um, I don't remember. What does it mean? It's a French word derived from the Old Norse word, which I believe is Norwegian, right? Norse, Norwegian. I think so. Um, Bida, B-I-D-A, which means container or vessel. Apparently, it's also used in everyday French for belly or, quote, a load of bull. 
Fantastic. Uh, the first Bidens were made from aluminum and had cork stoppers. Okay. So, yeah. That um, kind of makes sense for the construction of them now. Because it it's got it, that piece that you can rip out with your teeth. And yeah. that's probably what people did a lot with the cork. Exactly. You know what's funny is I always thought like water bottles, like a water bottle is a water bottle is a water bottle. No, turns out I'm actually quite picky about my water bottles. Yeah. Especially when I'm on the bicycle. Oh, uh, yeah. So like the flow has got to be good. I got to be able to like gulp the water. Um, mm-hmm. It needs to not leak. Um, it's got to look good. Um, what are what are your favorite qualities in a water bottle? I don't I don't want a soft sided vessel, but I need to be able to squeeze it. I don't understand. Like so, I want it to be a <laughs> rigid shape. Okay. But if you grab, if you are dying of thirst and you grab with one hand and squeeze, you are going to get a, a sharp, intense stream of water into your mouth. Gotcha. I think I know what you're talking about. So not yep. like, um, um, I'm trying to think, you know, like a hydration pack, how it's got kind of like the flexible bladder. Right. You know, right. Not water. fully soft-sided, but also yeah. not like a Nalgene bottle. Yes. That makes sense. Cause I've had a couple that were the, the shape so that it will fit in the, um, cage on the bike which is where you keep your water bottle uh, but if you squeeze it nothing's happening ever yeah. at all um i have i have one like that actually this year for the first time um there's a new company out of vermont called mm-hmm. um bevo yeah bevo. okay yeah um and they make um it's like proprietary technology so it's a hard-sided bottle but then it has like this free flow and it does flow better than any bottle I've ever used. But it is kind of a okay. head trip because it's shaped like a normal bottle. And if you tip it upside down, um, you're going to get water. But if you squeeze it, you're not going to squeeze anything because it's aluminum. And they're, I'm, I'm familiar with them because they do insulated. And yes. I'm always looking for new ways to have coffee on my bike. Mm. So like I, I low-key really want one. But also I'm like, I can't, I can't squeeze it. <laughs> it's a mental block that I have yet to overcome. <laughs> Maybe I'll get you one and just uh, uh, make you force you to try it a little bit. Sport, you have to use the you have to use the bottle. Exactly. Um, well, hey, I think that that about wraps things up for us today. Yeah. Um, we, I hope this was helpful. Let us know in the comment. What do we have comments on podcasts? Yeah, I think so. so. Okay. Um, or send us an email or reach out. Um, let us know what other cycling terms you want to know more about um yeah. we'll probably do this every once in a while i mean it's obviously not directly tied in with all bodies on bikes but it is part of our mission to make cycling more inclusive and less um exclusive um, by breaking down some of those barriers yeah we want you to to have uh, people you trust in a comforting spot to sit and learn all the things you need to know or exactly. want to know yeah um and you know my big piece of advice on this is at the end of the day they're just words and if you walk into a bike shop and you pronounce something wrong it's going to be okay they're they've heard it before they likely are going to know what you're talking about and three it's going to be okay um so help us with the the good fight by riding our bikes more and um yeah that was a really awkward ending I'm just having a day, Maggie. Well, that's my job. I'm the one that's supposed to be awkward here. If you're, if you take that from me, I don't know what I'm bringing to the situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh goodness. gosh, it was yeah. great. Well, on that note, um, I hope you all have a great ride at some point this week, yeah. and let us know what you want to hear us chat about. Because we want to chat about what you want to hear about. Yeah.
This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening. Thank you.